Welcome to Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, and welcome to today's podcast. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code. My name is Paul Abernathy, and this is part two of the code changes in 2020 to Article 220, which is dealing with calculations. Now, if you haven't watched the first part, it was kind of the introduction, and that really covered all the scope and everything you really need to know about Article 220, as well as the pictograms, the figures that are in the code book and how you work those out, as well as some of the tables that talk about other calculations that might be needed to be performed that that are going to modify or amend or supplement something that might take place under Article 220. So again, we cover all of those. Again, example of that was air conditioning, refrigeration equipment, branch circuit conductor sizing, which is different than what you might do here, uh, as well as storage type water heaters that might correspond to sizing requirements and the breakers it require, which is ultimately going to mean it changes the size of your conductors and it might change the calculation. All those things are given here and that's what that table's about. Uh, we talked about nominal voltages and what they were uh, and we talked about the fractions of an ampere and how that applies, uh, whether you can round up or, or not and based on whether or not the decimal fraction is smaller than 0.5, you can drop it or it's 0.5 or greater. You have you can round up. You're not required to round up, but you could round up to make things a little easier. Uh, this type of thing, you're permitted to do that. Or you can take the exact value if you want, whatever you want to do. Ultimately, somewhere along the line, you're going to have to do some rounding. So anyway, that's what we talk about there. Uh, and what I didn't explain in the part one that I want to make real clear here, and I said I was, but I didn't, so kind of a teaser. You had to listen to one to get to where you're at here. Is that remember that this deal is with calculations for amperes. Now, there are many times I get the question, Paul, does this rounding apply when I do a calculation based on the square footage and I need to determine for an exam, let's say, how many receptacles I need for a 20 amp circuit or how many receptacles I need for a 15 amp circuit? And I do the calculation and I determine that I need 3.4 circuits. That's not a rounding thing here. This is only for amperes. That's for the number. So don't get confused. I have people that get that confused all the time. If I do the calculation and it determines that I need 3.4 circuits because of what I did based on whatever my VA was and I calculated it out to determine how many uh, um, 15 amp circuits I need, then remember that in this case, if it resulted in 3.4 circuits, I can't get rid of a 0.4 circuit. I need 3.4 circuits. So I have to go to the next whole number, and that would be I need four circuits, a minimum. So if I did a calculation, that's different. That's the number of circuits. Don't confuse that with a calculation based on amperes because this rounding rule or this dropping off of a value of a fraction that is that is smaller than 0.5 applies to an ampacity calculation. And I think that'll help the students realize that the two are different. You don't you don't. You only do this rounding or dropping when you're dealing with uh, with the ampere values. When it comes to these rules for calculations, okay. When it comes to circuits or the number of circuits, you either got to have 3.4. If you don't have it, then you got to go up to four. There's no such thing as a 0.4 of a circuit. So, I think you understand. So I didn't cover that in part one. I said I was, or I kind of alluded to it, and I didn't. So for those that came to part two, 
you got that secret little mystery that left you hanging in the last one, unless you probably just ignored it and didn't get it. Okay. All right, so let's move on to part two. So part two is more significant, and we need to cover it, and that's going to take a while. So my apologies, because it is going to take a while to cover all this. And so you might as well pull up a seat now, get your 2017 code, uh, and we'll look at the significant. Now, there's so many significant changes here that we're just going to kind of cover them in sequential order as we move down through how this is done. So the effort here by the code panel was to make it a little easier to navigate when doing these calculations in part two. Now, part two, as we know, we are dealing with branch circuit load calculations. Now, some of these values when we deal with this, we're going to apply to our overall calculations that we might deal with uh, in um, uh, part three and part four when we're doing calculations. But in the general, we're going to just kind of take them as they stand and work through each one of these values and so that we can put all this together and so we got a better understanding of how this flows, if you will. All right, so first things first, part two. Uh, it's branch circuit and load calculations. Um, in the 20, I guess in the 2017 code, that, that didn't change. Uh, that's what we were dealing with. Uh, no different there. Um, so let's look at each one of them here. So number one is, or A, the first thing we deal with, uh, or actually take that back, we're dealing with 210.10, and that is the general. Okay, so uh, in a sense, that did not change from the 2017 code. Same language uh, that's there. It says, branch circuit loads shall be calculated as shown in 220.12, 220.14, and 220.16. So we're, we're calculating branch circuit loads right now. That's our focus. Now, 220.12 is dealing with the lighting loads that are dealing with a non-dwelling occupancy. Okay, that's the, the first one you're dealing with. And now previously, uh, when you're in 220.12, it's a table. And that table used to have dwelling units listed in it, for example. And it doesn't have that in it anymore. Okay, so that table no longer contains, excuse me as I scroll down, that table no longer contains dwelling unit as a VA factor in that table. All right, it's been removed. Uh, and it's going to be covered later when we get down into 220.14J. Uh, Okay, and we'll talk about that when we get there. All right, so it is a slightly different look to it uh, as you move through it. And so we'll just cover each one of these as we go. Uh, but you're given guidance. You're going to use 220.12 for the, the lighting loads for non-dwelling occupancies. You're going to use 220.14. And 220.14 is dealing with other loads. And that is dealing with all occupancies. So dwellings are going to fall under this. Okay. Uh, and again, any you know any application application uh, is going to fall under that. It's dealing with all occupancies, uh, and then of course you've got uh, 220.16, and 220.16 is dealing with loads for additions to existing installations, and that's going to cover dwelling units and other than dwelling units, and it's going to give you some guidance on what you do there. Okay, so that's how it's broken down. Now, you move on to what about the, how I determine the actual floor area. All right, so this is where it's been a little change in, in how it's formatted and, and how you look. 
because before there was not a 220.11. That all of this was encompassed in 220.12. So now it's been broken out uh, because in 220.12 previously, you had references and things like that that we were dealing with uh, unit loads and all that for dwelling units and all that. So now it's kind of been broken out a little bit and explained and separated from 220.12. And let me read it. So 220.11 is floor area. It says the floor area for each floor shall be calculated from the outside dimensions of the building, dwelling unit, or other area involved. Okay, For dwelling units, the calculated floor area shall not include Open porches, garages, and unused or unfinished spaces not adaptable for future use. So in the 2017 code, it kind of said that in the 220.12. It's kind of said that at the beginning uh, or at the middle and at the end. So now it just kind of pulled this out and have placed it here and says, look, this is how we're going to determine the floor area. It's kind of standing all by itself. Okay. And... This is what's going to give us the guidance for, again, what we don't include in a dwelling unit, like open porches, garages, or unused or unfinished spaces that are not adaptable for future use. If the place, if the area is adaptable for future use uh, when you're dealing with a dwelling unit, then you're going to have to account for that square footage. Uh, but if it's not, then you don't. I get this question all the time. What about a attic? Well, if the attic is designed to be finished off and it become, could become another space, then you're going to count it because it is adaptable for future use. If it's really not based on the... The floor joists and the, the the way that's set up, or the height ceiling height, or anything that really is not adaptable for future use. Uh, I would have liked to see something in there adaptable for, for future habitable use, or something like that, or whatever. Okay, but it isn't, so you have to let your you know your inspector is going to be the judge of that, the local jurisdiction. But akin to the typical attic space that's just for storage of boxes and whatever, and it's not designed to handle that or finished off then it's really not adaptable for future use and I get to discount and not take into account that area, okay? All right, so then we get to 220.12 where this is dramatically changed. Um, Previously, um, you had some exceptions that you had that would allow you to use the energy code when you're dealing with the lighting loads for non-dwelling units. Now, previously it said lighting loads for specified occupancies and of course then that referenced you to 220.12 it's still going to reference you to 220.12 but it makes it clear that 220.12 is dealing with non-dwelling occupancies so they've taken out the reference to dwellings at 3VA per square foot and now they put it down in its own item you know part J or, or item J list item J so in this case it's been removed from here uh, from that table 220.12 so that we know that this table is purely dealing with non-dwelling occupancies. Okay, we're going to get more guidance later on that, but at least we know where we're going from here. Uh, so that's a change. Now, it has been broken down into an A and a B. A is the general, and now B is dealing with the energy code. And we have some, uh, instead of it being an exception, it has now been written into code, into in the positive code language, in order to be able to give you an option so that if an engineer designs something uh, in, uh, in, in is utilizing the energy code for their lighting loads that there's some caveats that they have to meet and that they can use that value that they calculate using the energy code. Uh, and that can be their 
lighting loads that they're ultimately going to take into consideration when they do their calculations for the feeder or the service or what have you. Okay, so there's some options here for this. Okay, um, and so and they're also utilizing this as well when they're doing the branch circuit calculation for these lighting loads. All right, so let's look at the two. So under the general, which is A now, which is a change from the 2017 code, it says a unit load is not less than that specified in table 220.12 for non-dwelling occupancies. So that's what we're dealing with, non-dwelling occupancies. And the floor area described in 220.11 shall be used to calculate the minimum lighting load. So you're gonna get values that we'll look at them here in a second. They're gonna be used to calculate the minimum lighting load. Now, here's something that's interesting that was uh, kind of figured in here uh, is motors that are associated on the lighting circuit, okay, that are on the general lighting circuit. It says motors rated less than one-eighth horsepower, okay, so they got to be less than an eighth horsepower, and they're connected to a lighting circuit shall be considered general lighting loads. So uh, to me, this is any fan motor that would be on the lighting circuit it, that's part of the lighting and the fan, the combination, these motors are less than an eighth horsepower, then you don't have to add anything additional that they're encompassed into this unit load that we're gonna calculate later uh, in our calculation, this, whatever this VA would be. It's already taking that into account. Now, if the motor is larger, or one eighth horsepower or larger, then you're gonna see that we're gonna to have to make some kind of application and that's gonna pretty much fall down under something that's gonna be under 220.14 that you have to take into consideration, okay? But right now, uh, we're we're just dealing with what we have here under the general and if it's a motor and it's rated less than an eighth horsepower and it's connected to the lighting circuit, then it shall be considered the general lighting load and nothing else is going to be uh, required for that, okay? Now, that's pretty much what we've done before then motor rated less than, that's pretty much new material in that scope of what we're dealing with. Now we get into the energy code, and that is B. So it's 220.12B. Now this is something that you have to follow all the parts here, okay? And it says, energy code, where the building is designed and constructed to comply with an energy code adopted by the local authority. So if you're HJ, not if they just if they just say that there's an energy code, but they have to adopt it just like they do the NEC. So if they're working off of an ASHRAE or they're working off an International Energy Conservation Code or the energy code, whatever they're working on and whatever they're using, it says the lighting load shall be permitted. It's not required. It shall be permitted because they can always use the general rule shall be permitted to be calculated using the unit values specified in the energy code, okay? In the energy code where the following conditions are met. So you have four conditions that the design professional has to meet. Number one, the power monitoring, a power monitoring system is installed that will provide continuous information regarding the total general lighting load of the building. So it's constantly monitoring it uh, and when people turn lights on, turn lights off, it's constantly updating what this load is, okay? So that's gotta be in place. So it's gotta have this power monitor. So that's probably not hard to achieve in a lot of these larger, bigger buildings. They probably have a power monitoring system. Next, that power monitoring system will be set to alarm, 
value set to with alarm values to alert the building owner or manager, whoever the managers of the facility, if the lighting load exceeds the values set by the energy code. So whatever the engineer calculated, that's what it's based on. That's what you're using for the service or feeder calculation and this branch or whatever you're doing. If they do that, then it has to set off an alarm. Now, it goes on to say, automatic means to take action to reduce the connected load shall be permitted. It's not required, it's permitted. So you could have some system that actually interacts with it and says, oh, wait a minute, I need to shut off some lighting or reduce the amount of of, uh, current that's being drawn or the amps or whatever it is and these different luminaires or whatever it does in order to drop it down below that value or equal to that value that was calculated and what they submitted, then it can do that automatically. Or what happens is the building owner or manager can take proactive measures, uh, or I guess in this case reactive measures, to actually reduce that amount of load, okay? But it's automatic means is permitted. Now, I can see in the future somebody saying that, you know what, they're not gonna do it, and the propensity for overloading could take place. Uh, so they might end up making this automatic means. So you have to have something integrated that's going to adjust it in some way to get it down below that value. Yeah, I don't know. With the technology today, the LEDs and what we're doing, uh, it's, it seems to me a very, a very possible thing to have this happen. Obviously, if it's a possibility that's permitted to do it by automatic, then somebody's going to submit something probably in 2023. I'm sure of it. All right. The next thing that you have to meet. It says the demand factors specified in 220.42 are not applied to the general lighting load. So under the general in A, you come up with these values based on this table 220.12, and then you may or may not be able to apply some of the demand factors in 220.42. All right, now 220.42 is some demand factors that apply to hotels and motels, warehouses, and things like that. Well. You know, you might be able to apply these things to it, um, but you can't apply any of that if you're using this method. Okay, so if you're going to use the energy code method, you can't apply any of these demand factors to it. You take the value that you calculate using the energy code and you go with it. All right, and then lastly, it says once you get those values, you're going to take them at the the continuous load. Uh, you're going to the multiplier is 125 percent. Uh, shall be applied. All right. So when you're applying this to the building, um, and you're, again you're dealing with non-dwelling occupancies because that's the whole premise of 220.12, then these are probably going to be continuous loads, three hours or more. We can go back and look at our definition of continuous loads back in Article 100 in definitions. Um, in in that case, whatever the value is of your energy code, you want to make sure that if it's a continuous load, then you have that multiplier of 125%, and it says shall be applied. It's not optional. Okay, and that gives you a value. All right, so engineers that are prudent are going to look at A, the general, and they're going to look at B, the energy code, and see which one's going to yield the best result. Okay, for them, and they're going to apply that. Now, I'm going to say that most people are going to probably apply the general rule, but again, with all these energy codes coming in and things that are changing so much, and the the lighting technologies, the lower voltages that are dealing, which results in lower amps, and lower amps can result in lower branch circuit size conductors, which is ultimately going to result in lower feeder sizes based on a lot of these big buildings, 
the loads, a lot of the heavy loads are the lighting. I mean, you take a a 50-story building and all of the lighting per floors, as we evolve and all this lighting starts getting more LEDs and and lower the amount of current that's being drawn, uh, then those branch circuits for those lightings get lower. Ultimately, the calculations for the loads for the feeders or services are going to get less. And so many people are going to probably be using the energy code as an option when it deals with the lighting load application. Uh, but today, I think most buildings are being constructed are probably going to follow the general rule to determine the lighting loads for non-dwelling occupancies uh, because I don't know that they can meet all of these rules, one, two, three, and four, or if they're putting in power monitoring and that power monitoring has alarms and, and all of that type of thing. And whether you apply the continuous load multiplier to it is going to give you any benefit. Uh, the reason I say that is that takes us to table 220.12, which is going to be utilized for the general application uh, where we base it on the volt amperes per square foot. Now, this is what's changed. If you look at this table, you're going to notice that the values, and we're going to use uh, square feet of VA per square foot because I I really don't use VA per meter square. I, I use everything for the VA per square foot because that's generally what we're going to follow and that's generally what we refer to most of the time in exams and things like that. But just know that if you get one that's in the uh, the application of the meter square, then over on the left you do have some values and you just make sure you work the entire calculation and you stay within that, okay? You don't go back and forth. In our case, we're going to use it with uh, VA uh, per square foot. Now, if you notice, these values are dramatically different in most cases than what you had in the 2017 code when you're dealing in table 220.12. There's a distinct reason for that. In the past, when we calculated continuous load for lighting, and again, we're dealing with non-dwelling applications, most of these applications you see here, the actual lighting is going to be on three hours or more, so it would constitute a continuous load. And we would get confused when we consider that or not, and people would miss that on a calculation. Here, something that's new is that the continuous load has been factored into this unit load in the VA per square foot. Okay, And so that has already been considered into this equation. And you know this because you go down and look at the note under this table. And you see that it says note. The 125% multiplier for a continuous load as specified in 210.20a, that's back in the branch circuits that tell you to take continuous loads at 125% and the non-continuous loads at 100%, it says that it is included when using the unit loads in this table for calculating the minimum lighting load for a specified occupancy. So it is already figured in here. So you don't have to worry about taking into account oh, I've got this lighting load for this non-dwelling occupancy and i got to remember to add 125% for that. It's already figured in here. Okay, That's what that note is. Now, under that, you'll see an A, B, C, D. This is pretty neat. So here, the nomenclature here is just giving some additional guidance to some of the occupancies that are covered up here in Table 220.12. Uh, for example, we'll look at the one. Uh, many people, for example, get confused when they look at a retail space. What constitutes a retail space? That's pretty broad, but you'll see that there's a G and an H that's referenced next to that uh, retail. And if you look down, it reminds us that, okay, well, if we're in a retail, G says, well, you know what? Barber shops, beauty parlors are considered retail spaces, okay? Uh, and so that just kind of just kind of gives you that, that guidance to say, well, that's what we're talking about. Just in case you get confused, they are 
to say. And the difference is that back in the 2017 code, that barbershops and beauty parlors were in that occupancy list. And now they're not. So that's why adding that little uh, note there brings that out and says, you know what, that's what they are in case you wondered what they are. Okay. I think most of us know what a retail space is. If I go in and I have to pay something for something, then that is a retail space and I'm going to treat it accordingly. Um, But with that said, you also see that it notes H. And H says, what is H? It's stores are considered retail occupancy. So somebody says, well, is a retail space considered a store? Okay, yes. It used to have stores listed in the old table 220.12, and that's been removed, and it just put a, a mark on that. Now, I can see this expanding when people want more clarity on certain spaces, and they might add it. Well, I can tell you where people might take this to the extreme. For example, police station. It is 1.3 VA per square foot when you're doing that calculation. And remember, if you need to know what constitutes the space that you use, then you got to go back and watch part one of this series, which talks about how we're taking the outside dimensions. And that's how we're coming up with these square feet. But what if they said to you, I've got a sheriff's office? Well, police station, sheriff's station, they're all the same. Okay. Um, Somebody in the future might add another little letter that would go down, maybe I, that says law enforcement facilities or what not, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and that might be something in the future. But I think we all have enough common sense to say if we're talking about a police station, that we're talking about a sheriff's office, things like that. Uh, we're probably Now, what about a border control? You know, something like that. I'm just using generals here. That would be something I think would fall under a police officer's. You know, that type of thing. Although some will argue that if it's a Border Patrol, it might be outside of the scope of the NEC anyway. Uh, but, you know, governmental involved in that. But I'm just giving you some, you know, general concepts. Okay. Another example of this might be a Masonic Lodge. What would a Masonic Lodge fall under? It, it, I, so I look at this list and I'm like, well, what does it fall under uh, if, I know, if I'm... Doing one of those. What is it? Is it religious? Well, I could trust me that Masonic is not a religion. Uh, so, which would it fall under? So, when you start looking at these and you're trying to get some guidance about, um, well, where would it follow or how would it follow? Well, uh, if you look at this list, the most notable, you start looking it down and you'll see, well, what about, um, let's see. Well, you'll notice that. You know, you go down and you'll see clubs as F, and it says are considered restaurant occupancies. All right. All right. So, without any other guidance, some would say, no, I consider it an office. Okay. You let your local jurisdiction determine that, obviously, but let's just use this theory that I went restaurants. In the restaurants, you'll see that it's F and it's 1.5, where office is 1.3. Um, offices actually has a D beside it, and you'll see that's banks or office type occupancies. Uh, but I can tell you that in offices, you usually don't have cooking. In most lodges, they'll have provisions in there for cooking and, and like a big kitchen or whatnot. Uh, so it's kind of like a restaurant. So I believe if I was interpreting it locally as a jurisdiction, I would say that it falls more under a club. And that club, like an Elks Lodge, I would fall more under a club because they usually do have big provisions to hold events and cooking and like a restaurant. It has all those things. Uh, so... You can kind of see how we're falling here. And again, when I give you my 
my interpretation of is is just to kind of help you understand the scope of how you might apply this. Again, understanding that the local jurisdiction are going to take precedent and all that. All right. Next, we move on to 220.14. Now, 220.14 deals with other loads. Now, this is applying to all occupancies. And we were dealing with the lighting loads, general lighting previously, and how we calculate that. All right. Now, we're seriously going to deal with how we're dealing with all other loads, whether they're motor outlet loads, other luminaire loads, lamp holder loads, sign and outlet loads, show window loads, multi-outlet assembly loads, specific appliances uh, that might be not covered in all these other items that we're going to talk about, even the receptacle outlets and dwelling units. Uh, all of that is going to be covered now in 220.14. So where this is a little different than the previous cycle was that in the 2017 code, that was dealing it and you just kind of went through each of them and you kind of just fumbled through it. Whereas, and some people argue that it's not a lot of change, but obviously I can tell you that it is because in 220.12, we took out the dwelling and dealing with 3VA per square foot, and now we've embedded it in, in J and kind of pulled that language together in J in order to give us some values, okay? So I'm going to run through these quick as possible and hopefully not belabor this uh, because there was quite a few changes, but I think some of these you'll get is pretty intuitive. Uh, but we just want to cover it because there's, you know, there are changes in how this is flowing. Now, 220.14, other loads, all occupancies. It says, in all occupancies, the minimum load for each outlet for general use receptacles. And again, when we say outlets, when we say outlets for general use receptacles, we're not saying receptacle outlets. We're saying the outlet to which a general use receptacle is placed. Okay, and then it goes on to say, and outlets used for general lighting, and again, that might be a lighting outlet box, that is the outlets, and we actually connect the luminaire to that, and that is for general illumination, shall not be less than that calculated in 220.14a through m. And it says the load shown being based on nominal branch circuit voltages. Now, if we remember back in part one, the nominal branch circuit uh, voltages could be 120, 240, those type of things, all right? Not something that you're going to read 123 point whatever by an RMS meter. We're talking about nominal values using 120, 120, 240, 240, things like that, uh, 277, 480, all those type of, that's all nominal branch circuit voltages, okay? And yes, you can have a 120 volt brand circuit and you can have a 240 volt brand circuit. You can have a 480 volt brand circuit. You can have a 277 volt brand circuit. So yes, yes, yes. All right. Now let's look at it. There's an A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, and an M. All right. We're going to go through these as quick as possible. All right. The first one, A, specific appliance or loads. It says an outlet for a specific appliance or other load not covered in 220.14b through m shall be calculated based on the ampere rating of the appliance or the load served. All right, so this is a deal where is in B, C, D, E, F, you're going to be given specific appliances or specific items, uh, and it's going to tell you what to do with those loads and, and, and everything like that and how you calculate that. If one of the specific appliances doesn't fall under here, then you're going to calculate those specifically. All right. 
You get me? So that's what you can deal with. Uh, one good example of this would be a water heater. So a water heater is not going to fall under this list, okay? But it is a specific load, and so I have to account for that load here. And so it's telling me I take the Ampere rating of that appliance or load served. So if you go down the list, you're preparing for an exam, and if you have a load that doesn't fall under B through M or doesn't logically fall, then A is going to be your catch-all for that load. Okay, you can't just throw it away. You can't say, oops, I don't have to worry about it. That's your catch-all for that specific application. Okay. Next, it goes on to B. Now, B is no different than we're familiar with. This is dealing with the dryers and electric cooking appliances. Uh, when you're dealing in dwellings and household cooking appliances used in institutional programs. Okay. So, in this case, this is telling me that if I'm dealing with a dwelling application, all right, and again, what if I have an electric dryer that's not dealing in a dwelling application? All right, well, then I have to take the specific appliance to deal with it. Well, right now, I'm talking about electric dryers and electric cooking appliances in dwellings and household cooking appliances used in instructional programs. If that's the case, this is telling me that I can take the load calculation and it's permittable to use the demand factors that are provided me in 220.54, and we probably heard us do those calculations for... Uh, for dryers before, and it allows me to apply 220.55 for electric ranges and other cooking appliances in 220.55 when we're dealing with dwellings, okay? So this is allowing me to come up with those values if I'm dealing with a dwelling uh, or inst uh, instructional uh, program that I can use those demand factors there. And it says shall be permitted. I don't have to. I can take the full value if I want. If I want to oversize it for whatever reason, go for it. But this is going to allow me to use those demands that we'll find later in those tables. The next is C, and it says motor outlets. It says loads for motor outlets shall be calculated in accordance with the requirements of 430.22, 430.24, and 440.6. Now, this is says for loads for motor outlets. Remember, a motor outlet is whether it is cord plugged to this outlet or it's hardwired to this outlet because the outlet is where the motor draws its power from, okay? So we're talking about, when we say outlets, we're not talking about receptacles. We're talking about the outlet itself, okay? The point where you take power from this point location, okay? All right, now, when we say this, it tells us we calculate it in accordance with the requirements of 430.22. Well, if you're a follower of the code, you know that's dealing with single motors and you have an A through E that tells you how to calculate conductors and ampacities and all that. And it reminds you that continuous duty applications and ampacity of not less than 125% of full, full load current, FLC, uh, NK. And so that's what you're getting there for a single motor. So you have to go there and make sure you're applying it to a continuous duty. If it's not continuous other than continuous duty, then you have those rules there. And E, if it's a part winding motor, that's D. Um, and I think if it's a multi-speed, it's B. So you've got a list there. So it's just giving you some direction. And then, of course, if you're dealing with multiple motors and other loads, maybe you have a motor and then some other load that's not a motor on that same uh, on that same circuit, or conductors are applying these servo motors uh, or other loads, and you're having to choose an ampacity, and it's not less than the sum, then that's what tells you that it's 125% of the FLC of the largest motor, 
or the highest rated motor, uh, and the sum of the load current, full load current, that's FLC, of all the other motors that are in that group, in other words, the ones that share that, that phase, or if you have non-continuous motor loads, you want to take them at a 100%, or if you have any continuous motor loads, you want to take them at 125. So this is where you get the guidance for that. And of course, you have some exceptions here if you're dealing with short time intermittence uh, or intermittent or periodic or uh, variable motors, then it gives you some guidance there uh, to follow that. But that's where you get for that. And then, of course, lastly, it's dealing with 440.6, and that's to remind you about sizing the ampersity and rating of conductors when you're dealing with a hermetic refrigerant motor compressor, and you'll get some rules there that you have to follow. So that's really reminding you that when you're going to do your loads, for this application, you're gonna to have to go there in order to apply for your motors, okay? Next is Luminaires D, and this is an outlet supplying Luminaires shall be calculated based on the maximum volt ampere rating of the equipment and lamps for which the Luminaires is rated. Now these are not the general lighting Luminaires. These are specific purpose Luminaires that you're dealing with, and you take the value the VA rating of the equipment and the lamps for which the luminaire is rated. Okay, so you want to go with the base it on the maximum VA rating of the equipment and lamps uh, for uh, for which the luminaire is rated for. Okay, yeah, that's when you're dealing with the luminaires. And again, we're not talking about the general provision for gen the provisions for general lighting because if you read up in 220.14, it's telling you outlets not used for general uh, illumination. Okay. That's what we're talking about. That's specific general. This is not the general lighting luminaire. This is specialty application luminaires. Okay, for whatever that would not be considered part of the, the general illumination. Uh, next, that takes us to E, which is heavy duty lamp holders. So a lamp holder is not a luminaire, but it is a lamp holder. And it might be a heavy duty lamp holder that's utilized for stadium lighting or, or inside of gymnasium lighting or whatever. And it says outlets for heavy duty lamp holders shall be calculated at a minimum, minimum of 600 VA, okay? That is a minimum. I can tell you right now, if the lamp holder, heavy duty lamp holder is higher than that, you take the higher value. But at a minimum, you have to do it at 600 VA. Next is F that says sign and outline lighting. Now, it says sign and outline lighting outlets. Again, this is the outlet, not the sign. This is the point where you're going to take it and mount the, the lighting to it or outline lighting to it, the sign or outline to it, shall be calculated at a minimum of a 1,200 VA for each required branch circuit specified in 600.5A. Now, basically, the tenant spaces, let's say, has two entrances in 600.5A, then you have to have a sign or outline lighting at each of those entrances, okay? Now, we're not talking about the storage entrance or delivery entrances, which might be covered under some other requirement for the uh, house lighting requirements. We're talking about in our calculation here for the branch circuit, and in our case for this unit, we're talking about the sign and outline lighting uh, and it has to be calculated at 1200 VA for each required branch circuit. Now, there was a change in 600.5A that kind of took the wording and redid it when it talks about service locations such as hallways, corridors, and entrances. And, and I'm going to read you just so you're aware of the change while we're here at 600.5A. It says each commercial building and each commercial occupancy accessible to pedestrians 
shall be provided, it's, it's not an option here, shall be provided with at least one outlet in an accessible location at each entrance to each tenant space, okay, for the sign or outline lighting system use. The outlets shall be supplied by a branch circuit rated at least 20 amperes that supplies no other outlets, okay, or no other loads, excuse me, no other loads. And then it goes on to say a sign or outline lighting outlet shall not be required at entrances for deliveries, service corridors, or service hallways that are intended for use only by service personnel or employees, okay? So, you have some allowances where this sign has to be. And again, one of the things about this for the signage is inside you have tenants that aren't really familiar with how your building is laid out, how this tenant space is laid out. So they need to see how to get out. Okay, they need to see the outline lighting of how to get out uh, and at the entrance or something to provide this guidance. Whereas under these other places, it's only really accessible to people that work there as part of their everyday course of action. They should know the process and they don't need to be uh, made aware. Uh, And the reason we know this is because it's very clear that when it states this, it says accessible to pedestrians. Okay, and not to the people that are service personnel or employees, okay? So we know who we're trying to give this direction to. So it's just telling me that if I have two entrances, uh, uh, that I'm gonna have to have uh, two of these uh, sign and outline lighting circuits, and each of which shall be calculated 1,200 VA each. And I'm gonna put that in, and that's part of my calculation. If I'm sizing the branch circuit to this, then I know that it's based at 1,200 VA each. Okay, and I can just use my calculating methods uh, to come up with what the answer is going to be. All right. All right. Now, next is show windows. All right. And show windows, it says, shall be calculated in accordance with either of the following. So if you've got something that deals with show windows, I've got two choices here. I got a one and a two, and I can choose either of these. Okay. Uh, and I want to assume I'm going to sh- choose the either of these, whichever provides me the lesser value, because it doesn't say the greater of which. It says I can choose either. And obviously, if I'm sizing something and I'm prudent, I'm going to take whatever results in the lower value. So the first option says the unit load per outlet as required in other provisions of this section. Okay. Now, um, so in, in this case, if it's the unit load outlet per outlet, provided in it, then that might be encompassed uh, in the previous calculation that we've done. Okay, so if it was already encompassed in one of our other calculations, then we can take that value and, 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 and work with it. Um, or we have option two, and this is the one that probably comes up on exams because it is utilized mainly when people do do show windows rather than have to worry about whether or not it's encompassed in somewhere else, uh, is they'll, they'll go, okay, well, it's 200 VA, per linear foot of show window, okay? So, uh, if I've got uh, three feet of linear foot of show window, then that's 600 VA that gets added to my calculation. Of course, that's the VA direct, gonna directly applied uh, to that application, all right? Next is H. Now, H is dealing with fixed multi-outlet assemblies, okay? Now, here you go, it says fixed multi-outlet assemblies, that's like that strip molding with multiple receptacles in it, 
used in other than dwellings. So remember that. We're not talking about dwellings here. Or the guest rooms or guest suites of hotels, motels. Uh, so you notice how it goes. It says fixed multi-outlet simply used in other than dwelling units or the guest rooms or guest suites of hotels and motels shall be calculated in accordance with H1 or H2. For the purpose of this section, the calculation shall be permitted to be based on the portion that contains receptacle outlets. So we're only dealing with the portion that contains receptacle outlets here, okay? So so let's look at it here a little bit. Oh, my screen jumped. Okay, so I've got H1 or H2, okay? All right. So I'm looking at H1. So it says where appliances are unlikely to be used simultaneously. Each five foot or a fraction thereof, and I'll remind you that if it's six feet, that is a fraction thereof. So it'd be five foot counts as one, uh, and then the fraction, the extra one foot would count as two, okay? Uh, for each separate and continuous length shall be considered as one outlet of not less than 180 VA. So if I have a six foot, uh, and it is unlikely to be used simultaneously. And I have the six foot of it, and it contains receptacles. Then it's going to be one for the five foot, and I'm going to have one for the one foot extra fraction. And so that is going to be 180 and 180, 360. Now, where appliances are likely to be used simultaneously, each foot or fraction thereof shall be considered as an out. Uh, shall be considered as an outlet and not less than 180 VA. So what does this mean? So let's do this, the same, same equation. I have six feet. And the six feet are likely to be used simultaneously. So for every foot that I'm dealing with it, so I'm going to have 180 times six. Now, a fraction is any value that would be over a foot. So if I had two feet, three inches, then I'm going to have 180 180, and that three inches is going to require me to have another 180 because it doesn't say a major fraction or anything like that. It's just any fraction. So that's going to be three 180s, okay? And that's how you're going to apply this. Uh, the thing that I guess throws people is most exams are going to have to tell you whether it's likely or unlikely to be used uh, for simultaneous use. Uh, in the field, if I'm looking at it, I'm really thinking if I'm doing this at a restaurant or something on a counter and it's obviously pretty clear that they're going to be used for simultaneous use by multiple appliances, then I would apply this rule. Okay. Uh, it then it doesn't apply to dwelling units uh, and it doesn't apply to guest rooms and guest suites of hotels and motels. Okay. So other than that, it's pretty much you have to look at the use parameters. All right. Next, we move on to I, receptacle outlets. And again, I apologize. Most of this isn't a dramatic change until we get to the next one. But you know what? Hang in there with me. Uh, receptacle outlets. Except is covered in 220.14J and K, and of course J is dwelling units and K is office buildings, it says receptacle outlets shall be calculated at not less than 100 VA for each single or for each multiple receptacle on one yoke. So let's recover this here. If I'm dealing, and again, we're not, we're not talking about dwelling units, and we're not talking about offices, they've got their own rules, okay? What we're talking about is a receptacle in, I don't know, let's say it's a receptacle in, I don't know, a courthouse, 
Let's just say what it is. So a receptacle in a courthouse, it's going to be 180 VA per single receptacle that's a simplex on one strap or yoke. If it's a duplex, then it's going to be one yoke still. It's still over 180. If it's a triplex, means there's three receptacles mounted on a single yoke, one right over top of the other, it's still 180 per strap. The only time that I move out of that is if I have a piece of equipment, you've seen those quad looking ones that are four, could have more than four, but four or more receptacles and it's mounted on this one piece of equipment, at that point, then we're going to calculate 90 VA per receptacle. And so again, if it's a quad with four receptacles on it built into one single piece of equipment, then that is 90, 90, 90, and 90, okay? And that's how you're going to apply it. Uh, but if it's still if it's only one yoke, and, and then you're only going to apply 180 for the single yoke. Uh, and that is very, I have seen the receptacles with three single receptacles mounted on one yoke, uh, and that's triplex receptacle, and that is still 180 VA per. Remember now, this is not applying to dwelling units, and it's not applying to office buildings uh, because they have their own rules. Now, with that said, it doesn't mean that the 180VA is not going to apply to office buildings. It just means that we're going to have to do something a little different for the calculation, so we have to follow the rules in K for office buildings, and we got two options here, and we got to take the larger of the two in a calculation. So it doesn't mean the 180VA doesn't go away. Uh, the other thing to remember is that in dwelling units, people want to ask all the time, how many receptacles can I have in a dwelling unit? And they want to apply this 180VA to dwelling units. You do not apply this to dwelling unit due to diversity within the dwelling unit. You're going to cover that in, in J. You don't have to apply this to, to I. Okay, So don't think dwelling units here Okay, when you're applying the 180VA at all. Commercial application only or non-dwelling unit application only. All right. So we've got this all now. Uh, the next thing to remember is this provision, this 180VA per square foot, uh, shall not be applicable to the receptacle outlets specified in 210.11C1 and C2. Okay, well, C1's dealing with small appliance branch circuits, and C2 is dealing with bathrooms. So you don't have to do anything extra. Those are already accounted for when you did the square footage value uh, for the unit load value. Uh, that's already taken care of. So you don't have to consider those. You don't have to do anything extra for that, okay, uh, for the receptacle applications, all right? So that's covering that. All right, we're good to go. So now let's move into one that's the more significant change, and that is J, dealing with dwelling unit. Now, the values that were in here were pulled out of some of the other areas that were utilized uh, in the 3VA per square foot that are in table 220.12, and it kind of just melded it all into dwelling units and it made more sense and it's more logical flow. Now, let's read it and then I'll explain it. Dwelling units. Now, one thing changed. It used to say dwelling occupancies and people got confused. I don't know how many times I got calls about this and they said, Mr. Abernathy, a single family dwelling or a one family uh, dwellings uh, is not a dwelling unit. It is most certainly a dwelling unit. You have to understand the context of what you're dealing with. If I'm dealing with multifamily dwellings, it might contain individual dwelling units. But if I'm dealing with a one family or two family dwelling, it is dwelling unit. Okay, it is a dwelling unit. So let's read what the code says. In one family, two family, and multifamily dwellings, the minimum unit load shall not be less than three VA per square foot. 
Okay, so that's where we're getting it now. We're not having to go to 220.12. So we're going to leave that 220.12 for all those non-dwelling applications. We know that it's always going to be you know, for 3VA per square foot. Okay, now it says the lighting and receptacle outlets specified in 220.14J1, J2, and J3, which we're going to see here in a minute, are included in the minimum unit load calculation. Okay? They're already figured in that 3VA per square foot. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to add anything additional for these loads that are in 1, 2, and 3 that we're going to talk about in a second. They already encompassed into this 3VA. There's enough diversity that we don't have to, to add anything additional for those. Take them off the table. All right. Now, let's go on and read a little more. It says, no additional load calculations shall be required for, those, for such outlets. Okay, So we get it. It says... The minimum lighting load shall be determined using the minimum unit load and the floor area as determined in 220.11 for dwelling occupancy. So you go back to part one series where I explain that you're using the outside dimensions uh, and what you discount is open porches uh, and spaces, uh, garages, or unfinished space that aren't adaptable for future use and all that type of thing, you take away, you sub subtract that square footage area and take the outside dimensions of this dwelling unit, for example, and you take those values and you're going to multiply that by the 3VA per square foot to come up with your value, okay? And, of course, when you do that, never forget that you're going to have some demand factors that you can apply to that under dwelling units under table 220.42. But you have to have a starting point. And we have to come up with an actual value. And all Jay is telling you is how to do this. And it reminds you that those extra receptacles for general use and some of the lighting outlets that would be under general lighting, you don't have to, to do anything extra. You don't have to account for those. It's just already figured in to the loads. Okay. Now, there was a, an addition to this that I think is important. And that is where it says motors rated less than 8th horsepower and connected to the lighting circuit shall be considered part of the minimum lighting load. Now, why is this significant? Well, for years, people argued, what about ceiling fans? And they're connected to the lighting circuit. And what about those? Do I have to take those into account? Well, if those motors are less than one-eighth horsepower and they're connected to the lighting circuit, then they're part of that minimum lighting load. They're already figured in there. They're already done. You don't have to do anything else. Now, if they're eighth horsepower or greater and they're connected to that lighting circuit load, then you gotta take into account of what the value is of that motor, and that's what's gonna put you in that 220.14A for that specific appliance or loads, unless it follows under C, which is the motor outlets, uh, loads for motor outlets in those applications, all right? So let your direction be depending on the load that you're dealing with. But again, this is more significant for those ceiling fans. You don't have to count for those motors. I get that question all the time, okay? All right, and another thing to remember is that this is dealing with motors and we're in dwelling units. So I probably should specify that up under 220.14, it's dealing with other loads and we're talking about all occupancies, okay? That's what we're dealing with. That's why we're in J, we're in dwelling units. So there is some, apply there is some applications where you might deal with the motor or whatnot or some specific appliance that would be on the lighting circuit that you have to take that load into consideration. Basically, you're not, you just can't discount the load. But if it's under an eighth of horsepower, 
then you can just say it's absorbed into that general lighting calculation that you're doing 3VA per square foot. Makes sense? All right. So the next one, it says, okay, let's deal with the one, two, and three. These are the things that don't have to be add anything additional. They're already built into this 3VA per square foot. The first one is the general use receptacle outlets uh, for the 20 amp rating or less, including receptacles connected to circuits in 210.11C3 uh, and 210.11C4. And so you, that includes those receptacles. So you don't have to do anything additional for C3, which is that bathroom circuit, that 20 amp, that minimum of, of, of at least uh, 20 amp branch circuit. You don't have to calculate that into it. Any additional for that, it's already covered. And the C4 to, uh, was dealing with the garage branch circuit. Don't have to calculate anything additional for that. Okay. Now, item two says receptacle outlet specified in 210.52E. Okay, nothing additional is needed for E. That's the outdoor outlets that you're required to have at the front and the back of the dwelling unit uh, when you're dealing in one and two family dwellings. Uh, for the multifamily occupancy application, then really the one, you have to have at least one outlet at a readily accessible location from grade, okay? And it can't be more than six and a half feet above grade, so you have to have at least one of those applications for that dwelling unit that is located at grade level, and you don't have to account for anything additional for that as well, Okay. And since it does say 210.70E, you'll also notice that in that, it also encompasses uh, the application for um, G as well, okay? And I guess if you're asking me what G is, uh, then that's going to be the application of, um, let's see here, G which is basements, uh, garages, and accessory buildings and whatnot. So that's G. Um, and then the last one, three, it says the lighting outlet specified in 210.70. That's your general lighting. That's your lighting outlets that are required. Uh, and you could, and, and in, you know, in 210.70 uh, is covering all the lighting outlets that are required in the dwelling unit, in the habitable rooms, where they're required, and all that means that you know what they're required they're already considered into the lighting in the calculation no need to do anything additional they're already figured in you don't have to do anything that's all it's saying there okay all right let's get back to where we were so we can try to finish this up and i, I don't i've tried to keep it to an hour but this one was pretty detailed and so you know i'm pretty sure i'm doing a bad job of, of staying at it um okay gotta get back to where i was all right, so that was um, uh, that was uh, J. So that's dealing with all of our dwelling units. So just put it in a nice, tidy package. Next, we're dealing with office buildings, and that's K. Now, K says, in office buildings, the receptacle load shall be calculated to be the larger of one or two. So now we do have two options, and we have to have the larger two. Now, the first one is going to send us back to 220.14. I, and that's where we're going to get that 180 per uh, VA per uh, per strap. Uh, but it says the calculated load from 220.14I after all demand factors have been applied. Now, what do we mean? So this is why I said you just don't pull from I. This is saying, okay, look, I have 180 VA. So I do my calculation. Now I get to go down and apply the demand factors. Now the demand factors are going to fall down under uh, 220.44. 
And that is where we have the first 10,000 KVA at 100%, and then the remaining, uh, the remaining over 10,000 at 50%. So you get a heavy D rating here. Once you do that and you come up with that value, you look at that value and then you compare it to what it would be if you took it at one VA per square foot. Okay, so let me give you an example. If it's a thousand square foot building and I have a number of receptacles and you gotta remember that in this office building I might only have a certain number of receptacles. And if that value comes up with say, I'm just gonna do a number and say it's 3000 VA and I have, it's a thousand square foot um, office building it's a very small office building, by the way. But then I do the one VA per square time. That's a thousand VA. So I have to take the larger. So I have to get rid of the thousand. I'm going to take the larger value because that represents the number of receptacles that I had, even after I applied a demand factor in 220.44. Okay. So that's what it's saying here. All right. All right. And uh, let's let's move on to that. Now, the last one is, well, it's not the last one. It is other outlets, L. It says other outlets that are not covered in 220.14A through K shall be calculated based on 180 VA per outlet. So if by chance one of the items that I might have that I'm dealing with doesn't fall under the scope of 220.14A through K, it says nope, it doesn't apply there, nope, it doesn't apply there, nope, it doesn't apply there. But you need to take it into account. You can't discard it. It needs to fall. So I have some other outlet that I'm dealing with. Then that outlet shall be calculated based on 180 VA per outlet. Okay? We all good? Yeah, I think we get it. Now let's move on to M. Now M says hotel and motel occupancies. It says, in guest rooms and guest suites of hotels and motels, the lighting and receptacle outlets specified in 220.14 M1 and M2 and M3 are included in the minimum unit load in table 220.12. Now, remember in 220.12, it does give us values, the, the, the unit load in um, VA per square foot that we would account for our um, our unit load in there. And it's saying the lighting and receptacle outlets specified, oh, excuse me, the, the calculations that we did for the lighting and receptacle outlets specified in 220.14 M1, M2, and M3 below, okay, does not have to be added again. We don't have to calculate these. They get rolled back in. So the best way to remember this, and it's very much similar to what we just did in the dwelling units. So whatever value that we get from table 220.12, once we get that value, then we don't have to add these additional items into it. We don't have to calculate this into it, okay? So let's kind of read it and see what we're dealing with. It says, no additional load calculations shall be required for such outlets, okay? It says, and that's the ones in M1, M2, and M3 we're gonna talk about in a second. It says, the minimum lighting load shall be determined using the minimum unit load and the floor area as determined in 220.11 for hotels and motel occupancies. Okay, and number one is the general use receptacle outlets of 20 amperes or less, including receptacles connected to the circuits in 210.11 C3 and 210.11 C4, so bathrooms and garages. So 
The general use receptacles that are 20 amps or less, I don't need to do anything different than what was already calculated in that unit area, okay? Don't need to do anything different. It's already figured in. Those are the general use applications, all right? Uh, the next is the receptacle outlet supply uh, specified in 210.52E3, and that is the balconies, decks, and porches. So that receptacle that's applied there, uh, I don't have to add any additional for that. It's already encompassed into this calculation. Uh, third is the lighting outlet specified in 210.70. And again, as we saw that before, um, there's general lighting outlets that are required, and those don't require anything additional. I don't have to add any additional value to my calculation to account for those. Those are already figured in when I go up there to 220.12, and I go down and I look at this motel and hotel, um, and I see that I got to deal with 1.7 VA per square foot. It is already taking that into consideration. Now, ironically enough, if I look back at what it was before, it looks like, uh, let's see, what were the values? Hotels and motels used to be 2 VA per square foot. Hmm. So in this case, it looks like there has been a reduction. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, yeah. All right, so let me get back to the code. I think we can finish this thing up. I get lost when I go back and look at the code, just like everybody else. You know, I'm looking back and forth, back and forth. All right, so again, when we do our calculations, um, there were specific receptacles that are covered here in one, two, and three for a hotel and motel don't have to be accounted for again. They're already uh, covered in this application. All right, next we look at 220.16, load for additions to existing installations. Now, first one is A, which is dwelling unit, and then, of course, other than dwelling unit. So for dwelling unit, uh, it says loads added to an existing dwelling unit. So it's already there. Shall comply with the following as applicable. Number one, loads for structural additions to an existing dwelling unit or for a previously unwired portion of an existing dwelling unit shall be calculated in accordance with 220.14. So 220.14 meant says that, well, you know what? You have all these additional loads. You're going to have to follow all of these rules for the specific appliances, the um, luminaires that are not the general light. You have to follow through and add all these specific additions to it. Okay? All right? You're going to have to add that portion now. Next, it says two. It says loads for new circuits or extended circuits in previously wired dwelling units shall be calculated in accordance with 220.14. Okay? So if you have a new circuit, then you're taking the value that would fall wherever it falls under 220.14 for that load. Okay? Uh, and, of course, um, if you're also adding the um, extending a circuit and you were in a previously wired dwelling unit, and you would calculate that in accordance with 220.14 because you have to account for that additional load. So you have to account for that. And you would whatever falls under 220.14, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, 
and L and whatever, it's going to fall under that. Okay? So that's what you're going to add as an additional. Now, the reason you're doing this is to see whether or not the existing service or the existing dwelling unit can handle this addition. And that's why you're doing it. Okay? Now, 220.18, it's the maximum loads. All right? Now, the total load shall not exceed the rating of the branch circuit, and it shall not exceed the maximum loads specified in 220.18a through c under the conditions specified therein. So whatever the conditions specified, it can't exceed that. So let's look at A. So again, we're under loads for additional additions to existing installations. So it's an existing, and we're adding something to it. All right. So the maximum loads. Now the first one says motor operated and combination loads. So I, you know, I can have these. I can these branch circuits, and we have the maximum loads. So the total load shall not exceed the rating of the branch circuit. So that's a general rule. We, we have a branch circuit rating, and these loads are not to exceed that branch circuit rating. But I'm adding loads to an existing installation, right? So we got to know what the maximum loads to be applied here. So if I'm going to add something, I have to take things into consideration. So if you look at the first one, motor operated and combination loads. It pretty much gives you a nice detailed understanding of these extensions or adding on to these existing circuits. Okay, The first one, it says, where the circuit supplies only motor-operated loads, say just motor-operated loads, then Article 430 shall apply because obviously Article 430 is dealing with motors. So you follow all the rules, 430.22 for a single motor, blah, 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 uh, when you're calculating those circuits out and what the loads are out. So that applies. Now, where a circuit supplies only air conditioning equipment, refrigerating equipment, or both, then Article 440 shall apply. So you need to understand that. Now, for circuits supplying loads consisting of motor-operated utilization equipment that is fastened in place and has a motor larger than 1 8 horsepower in combination with other loads. Okay, so there's other loads a part of this. It's in combination with it. What you do is you take the total calculated load based on 125% of the largest motor load plus some of all the other loads. Now, you guys are familiar with that when you're doing the motor calculations and everything that we did previously that when you're dealing in 430.24, you understand this concept. Uh, but, say, but here you get good guidance. Remember, we're trying to not exceed the rating of the branch circuit. Let's not forget we're still in part two. Okay, so we're talking branch circuit here. So we're adding things to an existing, things like that. The general rule is, even if I add any branch circuit, uh, that I can't exceed the rating of that circuit. Okay, uh, and so understanding that's going to help you get, kind of get through this. But this is a good guidance if we're dealing with the circuit we're adding for motors uh, and we're doing anything like that. Uh, and uh, again, we're, we're falling under the, the application where we're, we can't exceed the maximum load of a branch circuit. Okay, And this is not the same as in 220.16, which we were dealing with dwelling units. Okay, That type of occasion. All right. Oh, and I should mention that in 220.16, we did have a B, which is dealing with other than dwelling units. Okay, so A was how to be able to add additional loads to an additional building. 
uh, an additional dwelling unit. You had a one and a two. We went over that. Uh, but then other than dwellings, it says loads for new circuits or extended circuits in other than dwelling units shall be calculated in accordance with either 220.12, okay, for that area, you know, because again, if you're adding it, you still got to get that square footage area, or 220.14 as applicable. So maybe I'm going to, you know, I use 220.12 and maybe that encompasses everything that's going to actually be in that space, or I might have to add the applicable things for any of things that might be installed in there that would fall under 220.14, okay? All right, but it says that I can do it for either or 220.12 or 220.14, all right? And maybe I'll do a class of 10. I said we we're going to that I could see whether the propensity for getting that confused people, um, but uh, I'll probably do that in a video to explain that using some graphics later, but you get the gist of what we're talking about. Um, the next one under maximum loads, again, we're talking brand circuits, is inductive and LED lighting loads. It says for circuits applying lighting loads that have ballasts, transformers, auto transformers, or LED drivers, it says the calculated load shall be based on the total ampere rating of such units and not on the total watts of the lamps. Okay, So it's based on the ampere rating of such units and not the total watts of the lamps that are in there. So we're basing this on the total amp rating of the units. Okay, That's how we're going to base it on. Uh, and that's where we're going to find out what our what our, 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 ampere, our ampere rating is based on that. Okay? And then lastly, range loads. It says it shall be permissible to apply demand factors for range loads in accordance with table 220.55, including note 4. Okay? Uh, and that's it. That's all of part 2. Uh, no earth-shattering things in there except for when we talked about the table 220.12. Hopefully you got something out of it, a little longer than I wanted it to be. Hopefully you stuck it out. Uh, but uh, we'll go in, uh, and I don't know that there's too many significant changes to make it worth looking at part three or part four, uh, but I'll determine that. But hopefully you got something out of this change. We introduced the energy code and how it can be utilized uh, and all that in this series. So thanks again for listening. Until next time, make sure you visit our website, uh, which is at masterthenec.com. That's www.masterthenec.com. Uh, click on the links at the top to watch our uh, videos uh, or go to our YouTube channel is the best way to watch our videos. Uh, it helps support our channel. Uh, we have podcasts as well. Uh, as, you know, Plus you can Google and find us on anything you want. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to email us at info at masterthenec.com. I'll be more than happy to answer your questions the best we can, time permitting. Uh, thanks again for listening. Until next time, stay safe and God bless. Every day the future's getting closer. Every day the future's looking bright. Every day is another beginning.